This means absolutely nothing without your presence. No matter what's said, no matter what's done, it means nothing. Holy Spirit, we yield ourselves to you. Have your way here this morning. Father, there are people in this place who truly love you and truly are seeking after you. Father, we, we are gathered with expectation knowing that when we get in your presence, something happens. Lord, yes, healing, yes. But Father, more importantly, change us. Lord God, do something down on the inside of me. Father, in Jesus' name, visit us and change us. Make us more conformed to the image of Jesus than when we came in here this morning. And Lord, I pray that when we leave here, we will be more equipped to work Your will, to do those things that You've called us to do, to fulfill the call that each of us has on our lives. So Lord, please, over the next little while, however long we're gathered in Your name, again, mold us, make us, clean us. Lord, clean us. We want to hear from you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Well, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. A couple of uh, Wednesdays ago, I uh, was blessed. Man, I had the youth in uh, for a while with us. And I brought up the uh, Welsh revival of 1904. Many of us are familiar with it. And some of us who have studied together know that in 2012, when I started preaching and teaching about revival, it split the church and... Thus is history. Um, but, but I still believe and I'm still praying as I know many other men of God and women of God are praying for a revival. The church needs a revival. And, um, you know, I know that there's going to be, and the Bible tells us there's a great falling away that happens before the end comes. And I believe that we're in the middle of that. And I believe that um, the next revival, the true revival, is not going to look like the others that have uh, happened in the past. I think it's going to be tight. It's going to be a little bit more underground, if you will. And I believe that we, as His body, uh, and especially in bodies like this, we will be taking care of each other and we're going to see the Church of Acts. I believe that among us, among these small groups, home groups, we are going to see that the sick being healed because we're not going to go out there and look for doctors. We're not going to have... And that's going to be just the foretaste of what's going to happen during the Great Tribulation when we fly. Remember, He's not called us to wrath. Read Thessalonians. I don't know if you're a pre-tribber, a mid-tribber, or a post-tribber, but I'm going on the first load. I'm going, be, I'm going, and I'm telling you, and I'm, I'm praying, God be praised. I hope I go so fast these shoes are stuck to the floor. Anybody who wears a size 9, you can have them. I won't be needing them anymore. But He's not called us to experience wrath. So I'm just so excited about you know, having uh, young people in this place this morning, but 
you know, the young people that we got to speak to a little bit on Wednesday, and I'm hoping that, that we can continue as a body, not just young people, older people, we continue as a body with that in mind. Now remember that the beginning of that revival, which was a, a Holy Ghost outpouring, that was truly a Pentecostal revival. And some of the results that happened, I mean, there were, there were no need for police officers anymore. And that thing did come and make it to the States as well, my, my brothers and sisters. But remember, what had happened was there was a deeper spiritual life convention that happened in New Quay, um, Cardiganshire. And that's uh, this, uh, the, the minister Joseph um, Jenkins. Um, he, had, he, he was doing these um, deeper spiritual life, this convention. And right in the middle of one of those services, a young woman, um, uh, Flory Evans, stood up in the middle of the service and just professed just how much she loves Jesus. And that is said to be one of the sparks really, that, that got this flame going, this, this, this revival going. But as I remarked to the uh, young people on Wednesday, so much of what was said and so much of what was done was young people. It was the young people who really got mobile. It was the young people who really got on fire. And, and it was the young people who were very much key in the middle of that Holy Ghost revival that was going on. And, and especially young women. Especially young women. So... Hallelujah. That doesn't mean that the young men don't have a heart in it. And it, and it certainly doesn't mean... Listen, let me, let me just encourage some of us... And I'm going to look this way because I don't want to... Let, let me just encourage some of us older folks too. Some of us older folks too. It takes all of us. But my brothers and sisters, the reason why... I, and and, and I, hope to, I hope the Lord will continue to lead me where my heart has been this week... The reason why this is so important because I see that the young people... I'm going to break. <laughs> God help me. I, I read some st- statistics this week that just took me back. And you, got, you may be aware of it, my sister, but <coughs> approximately 66%, two-thirds of all of the youth in America that are, that are part of youth groups and steady and regular attenders of church and their youth groups, active don't believe that there's much difference between Jesus, Muhammad, Buddha. Huh? Are you kidding me? But let's think about this. I, I, I can't say, well, it's, man, what, the young people today, just like they used to say when I was young, not too many years ago. Just, Just like all the young, you know how the young people today, blah, blah, blah. No. We bear responsibility. We let some things happen that should have never happened. We let it happen. And because we got into this mode of, you know, uh, just being, um, we don't want to rock the boat. We don't want to, you know, everybody's accepted and blah, blah, blah and all this. You know, we got to remind something. Most religions exclude. It is Jesus who includes. Most religions exclude. You have to meet this. You have to do that. It's works oriented. You have to meet this standard. You have to be here. You have to be of this. You have to be of that. For God so loved the world that whosoever would. You receive Jesus, you're in. It's not, exclusive, it's not exclusive to anyone. It's ex- it, it, it is for everyone. 
So, but because, you know, the enemy of our soul has tried to, to paint us, has tried to pin us down, has tried to, you know, well, that's awfully uh, exclusive. They're, they're making it, and it's very, very much that, you know, well, you mean that Tony, Jesus is the only way? Yes, he is. But here's the good news. Jesus says all of us are qualified. He's the only way, but all of us are qualified. You don't have to be a special person. You don't have to be a certain nationality. You don't have to be a certain gender. You don't have to be a certain age. You don't have to fit into any special socioeconomic status. All who would. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's the most inclusive of all. Just believe in Him. You're in. No, but because we've allowed that and now, you know, well, you know, it's, he loves everybody and it, he does. That's why he died for everybody. Well, how can, I, 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 and so I'm, I'm hearing these statistics and then yesterday I spent some time with a friend, a Christian brother of mine, and he was telling me about, and I'm not going to name names because I just, he was telling me about a professional athlete who has recently made a statement, who grew up in the church and now has made a statement as it relates to God. And, you know, how could an all-loving God, you know, you know, exclude some people or destroy some people? Well, first of all, you know, God made it so that everyone could be included again. I know I'm repeating. And those who are going to be destroyed are going to be destroyed because they chose a different path. They didn't take the lifeline that He threw them. That's their choice. Amen? God did not create hell for people. He created hell for the devil. Boy, oh boy. See, now here's the problem. We've stopped speaking this way. Because why? Because we didn't want to offend anybody. And because we don't want the young people to go someplace else. We want to, no, no, the young people need to know this. Listen, let's give them a little bit more credit. Let's tell the truth. Let's not sugarcoat it. Let's just tell it like it is. Amen. There is a hell to shun and a heaven to gain. There is. But, and the good news is you don't have to jump through hoops. God does not make you jump through hoops. God paid the price so that all you do is believe and you make it. Amen. Hallelujah. So why am I... Because I, I believe, my brothers and sisters, that we need to, to tell the truth, treat our young people like they, like they should be treated. Treat them with some kind of dignity, with some kind of respect that would say, I, I, I think you deserve to know the truth. The young people were so key in that revival, I can't escape it. And I, I don't know if I'll ever get back to this message or not. But, but they were so key to that revival, there's no way that we could escape it. So we as the older generation, we need to make sure that we are walking and living and speaking and doing what God has called us to do so that we can not only just say one thing. See, that's the other thing. Many young people have commented one of the reasons why they're fleeing the Christian church is because of the hypocrisy. Well, that's why I didn't go. Hypocrites. Well, listen, there are hypocrites everywhere. There are sinners everywhere. But there is a Jesus who paid the price for all of them, including one like me. My brothers and sisters, so we need, it's incumbent upon us to live this Christ that we preach 
and to not be ashamed, to not be shy, but to go ahead and live and, and, and do what it is that God has called us to do so that we can be an example, an honest example. And when we listen and when we slip, apologize. Don't cover it up. Don't make excuses. Don't be proud. But have humility and just say, I'm sorry. I messed up. I don't know why I'm going here, but just we'll just keep it going. Now, now Evan Roberts, who was the, the key instrument here that God used, God was pounding him since he was young, a young man, since he was 11 years old. He always had an interest, and he, he quit school, and, and he was working in the mines, and it said that he was ministering down in the mines, in the coal mines, he was ministering. And uh, even at that, such a young age. But God was waking him up for a period of time at one in the morning. And he was praying with God from one in the morning until five in the morning, just you know, consecutive days. And, and God really led him uh, uh, into this revival. He was a key figure, key instrument. So he knew that he wanted to do his part in this revival. So what he did was he decided he was going to go back to school and then um, go to a theological seminary. Well, when he went and started school, he was two and a half weeks into it, he got baptized with the Holy Ghost. And as soon as that outpouring of the Holy Ghost fell on him, he had to go back. And when he went back to his town and he started ministering to the young people, he was at a meeting, and, and this I love this because he was at a meeting, and this is what he said. After the meeting, um, he asked those who were seeking for a deeper spiritual life to stay behind. He shared with those who stayed what God was doing in Nuquay, that was where this, the, 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 um, that deeper spiritual life convention was taking place. He, he shared with them, and then he, he prophesied. He said that revival was going to break out in two weeks, but he gave them keys. Steve, if you would help me out. And these are the keys for receiving the Holy Spirit. Confess all known sin to God, receiving forgiveness through Jesus Christ. Remove anything from your life that you are in doubt or feel unsure about. Be totally yielded and obedient to the Holy Spirit. Publicly confess the Lord Jesus Christ. So he said, these are the keys. If you want a deeper relationship with God, if you want to get closer to God, this is what has to happen. Now, now he's talking to believers. And what, remember now, that this, remember the premise, remember, no, remember what actually happened. What actually happened was, he's at a meeting, he's at a, a church uh, service, if you will, and then he tells anybody who wants a deeper relationship with God, anybody who wants to go deeper with God, stay. Stay behind. And it was at that meeting that he said these things, and he also prophesied that in about two weeks there was going to be a revival. And it happened. And it happened. So now Watch. I'm saying that to say this. There are I, I I don't know of anyone in here, and it's it's between you and God. But I think everyone in here has made a profession of faith. Those that that I know. This is for Christians. So so confess all known sin to God. I'm I'm speaking to Christians. Hello. Confess all known sin to God and receive the forgiveness. These points are not points that we would be kind of evangelistic in nature. We're going out there to bring them in and this is what we're saying. No, this is, you already have a relationship with God. But you want to go deeper. Do you want to go deeper? 
See, that's the thing. In order for revival to happen, in order for something to change, in order for something supernatural, because that's what I'm wanting. I'm wanting something supernatural. I don't want the ordinary. I want the extraordinary. I don't want something that could be contrived or construed by man. I want something that can only originate and only be performed by God. That's what I'm looking for. I want something that's supernatural. Why? Because He's supernatural. So in order for something like that to happen, I want to make sure, but I, I got to go deeper. I got to go deeper. See, and so this revival and anything that happens, it has to be done. You know, you've got, it's not going to happen unless we want to go deeper. If we're just satisfied, well, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, and you know, I'm just going to kind of sit around and wait for God to come back. If He splits the sky, I'll be gone. If He just calls me home before He splits the sky, I'm going. I'm good. I'm st- That's dangerous. That's dangerous territory to be in. But I, I, I just, I, I, this just jumped on me this morning, so I really want to share it with you. In Exodus 33, the Lord said to Moses, Depart, go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt, to the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, saying to your descendants, I will give it. And I will send my angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanite, the Amorite, the Hittite, and the Perizzite, and Havite, and the Jebusite. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up in your midst, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people." See, this is when the Lord, God, is speaking to Moses after the children of Israel have already sinned. And so now the Lord is saying, okay, I'm going to do what I promised because I made that covenant with Abraham and I'm going to, let you, I'm going to lead you, I'm going to send my angel, Jesus is going to lead you into that land and I'm going to drive out those inhabitants before you like I promised, but I'm not going with you. Moses is distraught. That's when Moses um, makes the, ta- the uh, tabernacle of meeting. Moses breaks camp and he goes off by himself, makes the tabernacle a meeting, and now he goes and he communes with God. And remember the cloud that was followed them by day and, and or led them by day, and the pillar of fire. Well, the cloud was set by the temple by the uh, tabernacle opening, and Moses was communing with God, him and Joshua. Remember? So now, so now, if we jump down to uh, verse twelve, here's what it says. Then Moses said to the Lord, "See, you say to me, bring up this people." But you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. Now therefore I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way, that I may know you, and that I may find grace. I may find grace, that I may find grace in your sight, and consider this nation is your people. And he said, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. See, Moses interceding. But you you see what Moses is saying? If I found grace, if I found favor, if I found, then, 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 then truly, then by grace, you'll go with me. Truly by grace. And he would be saying, if you're not going with, you're telling me to go here. If you're not going, who's taking your place? When you look, Steve, I'm sorry, I didn't, give him that, I didn't give that to Steve. Verse 15. Then he said to him, if your presence, Moses saying to God, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. For how then will it, will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? So we shall be separate 
your people and I from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. Do you see what he was saying? Unless you go with us, unless your presence is with us, there's no difference. We're just talking geography. We're just talking real estate here. If you don't go in there with us, it doesn't matter who you run out. If you don't go in there with us, we're just like everybody else on the face of the earth. You could talk about this grace, but this grace won't mean anything without you. Come on now. See, I'm talking to a New Testament crowd right now. I'm talking to a New Testament, a grace, dispensation of grace kind of people. And see, we think that grace means that that's okay, God's got us, it's a safety net, and you've heard me say it, and you've heard other people say it. It's not that. It's God's power and presence. It's it's His supernatural presence with you. Listen, remember in Philippians, it's God in us, both to will and to do for His good pleasure. That's grace. It's God in us. It's His presence in us to will, to know what His will is, for His will and our will to line up, and then for us to have the power to execute the will that He now has given us the understanding of. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, I've got... It's not me. It's grace. That's grace. Grace doesn't say, Tony, you could stay like you are. Grace says, you don't have to stay like you are. I'm going to empower you to do something and be something that you're not without me. So Moses, the Old Testament leader understood I'm not going if you don't go why because that grace that you say that I have won't mean anything without you there hallelujah I'm not talking about real estate Lord I'm not talking about geography it's about you it's about your presence I want to go deeper how about you I want a deeper relationship and this is what Moses is saying this is not about this is about you Lord this is about relationship this is about us hallelujah Hallelujah. So do you want to go deeper with God? I want to go deeper with God. So the Lord said to Moses, I will do this also, this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. Now listen, and then here's, what, here's what Moses said. Please show me your glory. Watch. This is awesome to me. Moses is saying, I'm not going unless you go. I, I desire you. I want your grace. It's, it's only going to take, we're only going to be known as your people if you're with us. Your grace is only active when you're with us. Your grace means nothing without you. It's you, it's you, it's you. And then God says, yes, you have found grace. I will go with you. And here's Moses' response. Good, now I want more. Give me more. I want more. I want to see your glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, Moses said, oh, good God. When are you going to drive them out? Okay, good God. Is there going to be gold in there? Remember, he didn't send the spies in yet. Okay, good Lord. You know, uh, what kind of mansion will I be in? Okay, good Lord. You know what? Uh, I just know that, you know, the castle that you're going to build. I just know, Lord, this kingdom that you're going to build for. I just know, Lord, there's going to be a reinforced city when we get in there, Lord. I know that. No. Lord, you don't go, I don't go. Come on. See, so all of anything and everything that we do, my brothers and sisters, it all is predicated on us going deeper with God. 
So I could pray for revival all day, all night, years and years, which we have been doing since at least 012. Be praying for revival. And, 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 but really, what, it, what it's all about, what it boils down to is, I want more of God. We, and we need to get ourselves in that place where we're seeking a deeper relationship with God. We want to go deeper with God. Listen, this is what um, God told Abraham in Genesis 15.1. After these things, this is after uh, Abraham uh, went and rescued his nephew Lot. He defeated those kings, and then he paid tithe to Melchizedek. And, you know, they, the, king of Salem, the king offered him, I'm sorry, the king of uh, Sodom offered him uh, things. That, no, no, no. Uh, then you'll say that people will say that you made me rich and not God. God is the one who provides for me. Just take care of the kids. Just take care of the young men. Okay, but then this is what he said. God said to Abraham after this. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. I am your exceeding great reward. I am your exceeding great reward. Is that where we are? Yes, I, I am so looking forward to being in glory with Him. I, I am. I'm so looking forward to seeing Him face to face. But my brothers and sisters, right now, right here, right now, I've got to be looking to Him. I've got to be, I, yeah, do I want the blessing? Am I so thankful and grateful that He's made promises to me? Sure, absolutely I am. I am. But those, He's not separate from His promises. He's not separate from all of those things that He provides for us. It's one big package deal. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Does He know your name? Well, He knows everything. No, you know what I mean, and you know what this means. Are you intimate with Him? Hallelujah. So everything that we do, everything that we say and, and going forward as it relates to everything we want to do with young people, everything we want to, you know, whoever it is that we want to grow and we want to make sure that we're doing God's work, it's not to do God's work so that we can earn a reward. It's not to do God's work so I have more crowns to throw at His feet when I get there. No, it's to do God's work because I want more of Him. And I can't do His work without Him. So I need more of Him to do the work. Amen? It's this, this, this cycle, this circle. But it's an awesome thing. So we have these young people now amongst us and looking at us. These young people that we should be fighting for. What are we doing? What are we showing them? Are we showing them that we're all about the bling and all about the blessing and all about the good times and all about the, the, the lights, the smoke, the cat? Are we all about that? Or are we willing to get down on our knees and ask the Lord to show us? Are we willing to do the, the, the hard things? Are we willing to seek the Lord and wait for the answer? Are we willing to hear the hard message and then go down to an altar and say, Lord, forgive me? Come on. Boy, I love when it gets a little quiet. That means the preaching is pretty good, I think. Anyway. <laughs> but again, remember, well, Tony, you sound like you're preaching intolerance because there's this one. Yes, there's one God. And I'm not him. So I can't change anything that he said. And I can't change the way he operates or works. I can only worship him. I can only go deeper with him. Amen? So, Evan, Evan Roberts asks this question. Or he actually tells them what they need in order for this revival to take place. 
So we'll start at the first one real quick. Confess all known sin to God, receiving forgiveness through Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 8, 9 through 12. I'm going to read it real quick. Just hang with me and so we can get the gist of some of these things. So the subject here is, is meat sacrificed to idols. Beware lest somehow this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to those who are weak. So now what the Apostle or the Holy Spirit has ministering through the Apostle because now you have Jewish Christians and now you have Gentile Christians and you're in the place at Corinth where they have these, all these gods, these idol gods and these temples built to these other gods. You know, now they're really uh, just walking on eggshells about what they're eating. Is, is it been, you know, has it been uh, uh, you know, uh, set aside for an idol? Is it you know, blah, blah, blah? And should we be eating this? And, da, da, da. and certain people are convicted about it and certain people are not. And, and the Apostle Paul, who is the Hebrew of Hebrews, Pharisee, he says, we know that everything is okay for us to eat. We know that. But he's saying some people still aren't convinced of that. So, so that's where we, uh, we are right now. Um, he says, somehow this liberty of yours, this, this liberty to eat these other things, may be a stumbling block to those who are weak. For if anyone sees you who have knowledge eating an idol, in an idol's temple, will not the conscience of him who is weak be emboldened to eat those things offered to idols? And because of your knowledge shall the weak brother perish for whom Christ died. But when you, when you thus sin against the brethren and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. So, so, so you hear what I'm saying? So now watch. I don't know that anybody in this room necessarily would still adhere to that. Or if you do, praise the Lord. It's up to you. You may be a vegan or vegetarian or whatever. And it may be for just health reasons or maybe because you really feel like God doesn't want you to eat meat. Whatever that case may be. But here's the thing. I don't need to get up in your face and tell you that's wrong. God has given you freedom. Man, eat on. Just, that's not up to me. God is dealing with you about something for a reason. Okay? Now, do we know that it's okay? Yeah. But God has already convinced my heart of that. If God hasn't convinced your heart of it, then that means that you need to adhere to it. And that's what this scripture is saying. If God is dealing with an individual about something, it's not up to me to go ahead and, and let my liberty you know, kind of try to convince them or because they're going by what they feel God is leading them. So if I lead them in another direction, then I'm causing them to sin against their own conscience. And now all of a sudden... See, I, 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 I grew up, when I say grow up, I mean when I was a baby Christian, I grew up in a church that was a little legalistic. Now here, uh, there's got to be a balance though, my brothers and sisters. I, I got to tell you, that doesn't mean that anything goes. You know that, right? Because now let's look at what the scripture says. I touched on this and, and, and I don't mean this to offend anybody and that's why it's always bad when you start naming things because people say, he's preaching at me. I'm not preaching at anybody. I'm just preaching the Word of God. If it's hitting you, then let the Holy Spirit do His work. That's all I can tell you. Listen, you all know, uh, I, I've shared this with many people, um, when, shortly after I became a born-again Christian, the Lord told me, do not touch a drop of alcohol. Not a drop. Now, I wasn't an alcoholic. I didn't, you know, I partied with the rest of them. I broke a few of the top ten. I'm just telling you. I wasn't born saved. But anyway, so I did some things. But God told me shortly after I became born again, not a drop. Now, if I have a drop, I'm in sin. That doesn't mean that I'm better than anybody. No. 
Not at all. Maybe, and I tell you this all the time, God could have known that maybe if I would have continued drinking, maybe I would have gotten drunk one time and killed myself or hurt somebody else. Or maybe God knew, God did know, no maybe about it, God knew that I was going to be called to the ministry and He didn't want His minister in this place at this time to drink any alcohol. So now I'm not going to say, well, if you have a drink, you're going to hell. That's between you and God. With all these other things that we get to drink, why drink the alcohol? But that's my opinion. You and God work it out. I do know this. If you're getting drunk on anything, drugs, prescription drugs, illicit drugs, alcohol, then you're in sin. How do I know that? Because I'm smart. No, because the Bible says so. The Bi- that's why she says the only reason why she gets to sit in the front, young people. I'm just telling you. Because the Bible says so. The Bible says, be not drunk with wine where it is in excess, but be being filled by the Holy Spirit. Be in a constant state, not a one-time deal. I love to say this, and I'm going to say it and say it and say it. We are to be in a process continually being filled with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So now if I'm being drunk and I'm filling myself with other things, there ain't no room for the Holy Ghost. Make some room for the Holy Ghost. Leave some of that stuff away. Actually, in context, what that's saying is there should not be anything that's influencing our minds or taking down our inhibitions or things like that. We need to be sober, alert, because we're living in a very tough place. We're living in a bad situation. And our enemy is walking as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. See, so when God told me that a long time ago, he didn't tell uh, all the people around me, right? But that's the way it goes. So now, for me to do it, it would be sin. Amen? Okay. So if you ever see that, I expect you to call me out on it, but you won't ever see it. But my brothers and sisters, that's the thing. How many times have we tried to, you know, the Lord really blows us up about something, and we go out there and we'll tell everybody, man, when I first became a born Christian, if I see somebody with a cigarette, I want to snatch that cigarette right out of my mouth. You're going to hell! Nah. They don't even know Jesus, and I'm telling them they're going to hell for smoking a cigarette. Now, that's an extreme illustration. I understand that. But, but, but basically, my brothers and sisters, this is, we all have to row our own boats. And, and we can't, I can't, as a minister or even as just an ordinary, sure enough, born-again Christian, tell you, oh, it's okay to do this. Or it's not okay to do that. You've got to go with the conscience. So now, if I do something that causes a weaker believer to violate his conscience, what God has laid on his heart, I've sinned. I've sinned. So let's go to another example here. Romans 14, similar but a little different. In verse 22 it says, You may believe that there's nothing wrong with with what you are doing, but keep it between yourself and God. Now let me give you a little bit of context here. This is similar in that the the Apostle, uh, the Holy Spirit through the Apostle is speaking uh, specifically about eating meats, the unclean things, and also about what days to worship. Now, why would the days to worship be at odds? Why, why would there be an issue as it relates to, to the day of worship? Anybody, can, can anybody think of that? Well, because remember, the Jewish tradition was Saturday. After Jesus was raised from the dead on Sunday, they, the Christian brothers changed their tradition a little bit. Right? So now... Here's, here's why I'm bringing this up. This is still an issue among people who quote-unquote believe. But let's continue in the scripture. 
but keep it between yourself and God. Blessed are those who do not feel guilty for doing something that they've decided is right. So basically what saying, blessed are those who do not defile their own conscience. If God is dealing with you about something, do not go back on it. Verse 23 says, but if you have doubts about whether you are not, whether you should or should not be eating something, you're sinning if you go ahead and do it. Okay? You see that? So watch. If you have doubt, now this also goes with that next point that um, Evan Roberts made. If there's any doubt about what you're doing, don't do it. But this is also what Paul is saying here, or the Apostle, um, I'm sorry, the Holy Spirit through the Apostle is saying. So if you have doubt about something, you're sinning if you go ahead and do it. If you don't know whether you should be doing it, and you do it anyway, that's a sin. For you're not following your own convictions. If you do anything you believe is not right, you are sinning. My brothers and sisters, why, you know, have you ever done that? Yeah. Yeah. And I can honestly say, thank God that He's full of grace and mercy. I wasn't smited. But I had to learn something. I did have to suffer consequences in a lot of cases. Come on now. Man, you all don't get quiet on me. (laughs) Come on. Was God punishing me? No. He told me, don't do that. Right? But there was something in me, maybe a little bit of that old Tony wanted to do it. So Tony went ahead and did it anyway. God knew that there would be consequences. He tried to keep me from those consequences. So after I did it and suffered the consequences, oh God, man, he he whooped me. He didn't have to whoop you. You whooped yourself. He, He didn't have to do it. You just did it yourself. Right? Hallelujah. Glory be to God. So, so there again. Do, now, I'm telling you for, the, for this reason. When we look at what Evan Roberts said, these keys, man, we've got to be looking at all of these things. So, my brothers and sisters, don't do anything that would cause another brother to violate his own conscience. Don't do something that violates your conscience. Don't wait for Pastor Tony to tell you it's wrong. Chances are, I'm going to share this. Through the years, I know I've been ministering a lot of years, it don't look like it, does it? It don't look like it. I'm gonna... <laughs> Through the years, I've, you know, I've had a, a lot of opportunity for people to come to me and just throw stuff at me. Their personal stuff. And, I, and I'll refer to the scripture and I'll do the best that I can. But I've literally had people want me to give them permission to divorce their spouse. I can't do that. Now, if someone is being beaten and their life is in danger, I'm going to say, get away. Let's come, come, come stay with us or do something. I don't want you to get hurt. But, but if you're saying, well, this problem, that problem, we just didn't get along, and da, 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 I'm not going to advise you to get divorced because God hates divorce. I'm going to show you that there's, this is what God says are grounds for divorce, and I'm going to minister to you. I'm not going to convince you to stay, and I'm not going to convince you to leave. But people are looking for me and some of you maybe, in some cases, to give permission. In fact, I've advised against it several times. Right? But, man, there are just some people saying, get away from them because somebody's going to hurt somebody. You just get, man, just, you go to a counseling session, it's, it's like, ah. No. But my brothers and sisters, I can't do that, and you can't do it. We can't do that. I can't advise somebody um, against God's word. 
and I can't give someone permission to do something so that their conscience feels better about something that they've already made up their mind about. And they're looking for permission from someone like me so then later on they could say, well, God, uh, uh, standing before Jesus, Pastor Tony told me I could. Sounds silly, but it's true. That's, that's, how we, that's how we operate. So if you violate your own conscience, you sin. So how about this? We're going to James now. James chapter 4, beginning in verse 13. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell, and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It's even a vapor that appears for a little time and vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now... You boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does it not, to him it is sin. Sin of omission. Amen? Amen? To him who knows to do good and does it not, to him it is sin. But I love the way the Lord our God says this. See, because he's talking about, you say in your life, you're going to run your life. You're going to do this. I'm going to go here. I'm going to go there. I'm going to, I'm going to make this profit. I'm going to build here. I'm going to buy there. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Really? What about what God wants you to do? What about what God is calling you to do? What about if you go there? I've, I've made some decisions. I've, I've made some bad decisions. I went there, and God didn't leave me or forsake me. But... There was a lot of bumps in the road because I made the bad decision. Amen? But it was what I, you know, okay, I'm going to go here. I'm going to make this money. I'm going to go get this job. I'm going to work for that employer. and I'm going to do this. Oh, man. It was miserable. But God is so gracious. See, this this is the grace of God. This is what the grace of God is about. Not that Tony can make a mistake and man, if he smites me in this moment, I'm going to heaven. I don't have to worry about it. I can act a fool. I can do whatever. No. God's grace is so awesome that even when I made that mistake, he didn't abandon me. And so when I got on my knees, he didn't say, oh, you? No, I'm not talking to you. Remember, you've made the bad decision. Nope, don't talk to me. Talk to the hand. No. He doesn't stiff arm me. He doesn't stiff arm me. Know what he told me? Now, your faith is going to grow because you're going to be tested. And man, was I tested. Hallelujah. But deeper. God, see, God's grace went with me. I I made a bad decision, but God's grace went with me. And when I finally came to myself and said, God, okay, I didn't hear you say no, and I took it as yes, and I just did what I felt like I should do. When I should have waited for the yes. Come on now. Ministering to anybody? And so, so my brother and sister, so look, look I suffered consequences. But what, what had happened? What had happened was, I'm making these plans. I'm doing these things. I'm God's person. I'm God's child. You know, did I say, God, I'm only going to do this if you tell me? God, I'm only going to do that if you tell me? I thought I was. But then I let the minutiae, I let the, the, the cares of the life, I let people's opinions, and I let all of this stuff have influence over me. Are you where? Is that tracking with anybody? 
But man, and there's also been times, it could be something so simple, my brothers and sisters, and I've, I've done this. You know, you, you ever go down the road and, um, you know, there's someone that's, that's needing something and you know they obviously need something. And so, you, but, and you could feel the Holy Spirit check you. You should have stopped. You go down the road, you should have stopped. I should have stopped. I should have. Come on. Were you ever in the presence of people? Now, you all don't tighten up on me. Be honest. You're in church. You ever get around people and you're just, you know, and the Lord, the Holy Spirit, you know inside is giving you a little something to say in front of a, a little group of people. They're not saved or anything, but this is a good point for you to, they left a little door open for you to evangelize and, and you just, you're, you're shy, you're embarrassed and you don't do it. God, I don't want to be that guy anymore. I, I don't want to be that guy anymore. Right? Man. We, as fathers, haven't we at times, you know, foregone our our responsibilities because it was too hard, maybe to make a stand with the kids at the moment. It was just easier to go ahead and let it ride. Yes, when you have everybody in the house, Dad, you're the only dad in the world that does that. You're the only dad in the world, and I'm thinking, all right, I'm going to give in. So I just want to keep peace in the house. I just need some peace, Jesus. They're on me all the time. I just want, I want my kids to like me. They hate me. Man. No. And then you let, you know what I found out? Every time I compromised like that, something bad happened. Something bad happened. So my brothers and sisters, man, when God is prompting us to do something and we know it's the right thing according to his word and we don't do it, it's sin. Isn't that what James just told us or the, the, the apostle t- told us by the Holy Spirit? Absolutely. Absolutely. So confess all known sin. But that doesn't just mean this egregious stuff, this obvious stuff. Man, you know, I went to a birthday party last night and man, one drink turned into two and all this. Father, I'm so sorry I sinned before you. Yes. If you know that that's going to... Don't even go to the party, but that's a whole other subject. But, but you understand, it's, yes, the egregious stuff, absolutely. The obvious stuff, absolutely. Oh, I told a lie. I just wanted to get out of something. I told a lie. Should I? Yeah, you confess that. But now we're talking about something deeper. Why? Because you're Christians. You're Christians. You already are, are walking according to a certain level, a certain standard. But now this standard needs to go a little bit higher. We need to, the, the scripture tells us, examine ourselves. Make sure that we're looking at all of these things and that we're not making excuses for ourselves. And then we're not going ahead and sometimes getting on our spiritual high horse and dictating to others and, and getting them to violate their conscience or violating our own conscience at times or not doing something that the Holy Spirit is leading us to do. Amen? It's deeper. It's not just the obvious stuff. Well, let's go deeper. So now, I want to bring your attention. Steve, could you put that uh, first point up, confess all known? It's a couple slides back. There you go. Thank you, Lord. See, receiving forgiveness through Jesus Christ. See, confess all of your sins, confess your sins, and receive the forgiveness. Right? You, to receive forgiveness. But I want to, because we're all, I think most of us are Christians in this room, I want to remind you of some things you already know. But I really want to hit on this, if you give me a few more minutes. If not, the door's locked, you ain't going nowhere anyway. No, just kidding. Matthew 6, 14 and 15 says this, If you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. 
So, so we all know this, right? This is a, but my brothers and sisters, I want to tell you, this is really, 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 really important because sometimes we say and we give it lip service, but we got to forgive from the heart, right? We, we can't just say, okay, I forgive because I have to because if I don't, I'm going to hell. I, I forgive. Come on now. Come. Don't make me come down there. No, you know what I'm saying, right? Watch. Isn't that what, the way why we, and, and how we do some things? Isn't that how we go about some things? I know that I'm supposed to do this, so I'm going to do it. But have we really done it inside of us? That's the key. And so Jesus talks about a, a, a parable. Um, and the parable is in Matthew 18, the parable of, of the unforgiving servant. Remember, there was this servant that owed a king. A king wanted to, is a certain king, Jesus says. A certain king wanted to settle his accounts with his servants. And what he did was he called this man who owed him a ton and he was going to uh, sell his family and him into slavery to pay this debt. And the man begged him, begged him. And so the king relented and forgave him the debt, the whole debt. Now this same man goes out to one of his fellow servants and he grabs him by the neck and he says, pay me what you owe me. And the man didn't have to pay him. And so he had him thrown in debtor's prison until he could pay. So now the other servants catch wind of this and they go back to the king and they say, look at what this guy did. And so the king calls him back in. He says, how come you didn't have compassion on your fellow servant like I had on you? Uh Uh-oh. His master was angry. Uh, Chapter 18, verse 34. His master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due him. Jesus is speaking this. So my heavenly Father also will do to you, each of you, if you don't do that from your heart, if you don't forgive from your heart. That, that's the key there. That's, I'm, 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 it's, it's the heart. It's, it's, it's from the heart. We could say it with our mouth, but if we don't do it with our heart. And let's keep in mind, I'm in need of the forgiveness of God. Not because I'm, if I don't do I'm going to go to hell. If the breath leaves my body right now and, and he's not forgiving me, if I'm in a place of forgiveness, I'm going to die with some sin on my soul and I'm going to... No. No, not that. I don't want to offend him. I love him. This has got nothing to do with me earning a place in heaven because I can't earn it. He's already paid a price for me. He's already forgiven me poured out all of his blood. So in return, I don't want to offend him. I want to honor the sacrifice that he made for me. And I'm going to honor that sacrifice that he made for me by living according to what he's commanded. I don't want to offend him. I love him. It's got nothing to do with, I'm, oh, I'm afraid I'm going to burn in hell. No, I don't want to. I love him. I respect him. I, f- I fear him in the sense that I really reverence him. And I don't want to disappoint him. Amen big difference. So now I'm approaching the Almighty God that way. And He has every right because I violated His command. So now, how am I going to hold someone else to a standard that I've been forgiven for? Right? And I'm going to hold them to a standard that I've already been forgiven for. Man, I've got to see them like Jesus. I've got to have compassion and mercy on them. And that's the only way that I could do it through the love and compassion of the Lord Jesus Christ because that Holy Spirit has shed a broad love in my heart. So now I, He is gift. That's grace. Oh, hallelujah. That's grace. Grace is God has deposited some of His love in my heart. Now He's given me an ability to do that, but I've got to choose to do it. 
I got to choose. Lord, help me. But you don't know, Tony. They did me so wrong. They hurt me so bad. I know. A lot of us have been hurt and suffered. A lot of us. Many, 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 many of us. That's why Jesus suffered so greatly. So that all of that could be taken away. And all of us can, can be clean. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, I, I, I want to share something with you. I, I know I'm going a little long. Just, just forgive me. <laughs> I'm sorry. This past couple of days, I had the, a great occasion. Michelle and I, uh, some friends came to town for the PGA show. and Friends we've known for years and years. And one's with, uh, a couple of PGA professionals that I worked with at other places. So one of our friends said, hey, hey, Tom, can you make it up here? And, you know, we'll get together. We'll have lunch together or do something. And, you know, just get the old gang together. So there was about three, four golf pros and me. The only non-scratch golfer <laughs> but we didn't play golf thank God no but anyway so we're talking we start talking about stories and all of us had, um, worked at this one place together and we started swapping stories about the old days you know and so all of a sudden we started talking about uh, some of the things that had happened and there was a, a person that was uh, like our director that just tr- he was he was he, he was tough he uh, he didn't always tell the truth I mean, I got to tell you, I mean, I'm in a meeting with the board of directors and we're in the middle of this construction project and he doesn't want the owners to know something. And so I'm praying that they don't ask me because I can't lie. And so they make it around the table and the owner asks me and so I start to tell them the truth. I literally got kicked under the table. Literally. I'm not making that up. He kicked me under the table to shut me up. and I'm, Okay. I want to say, ow, don't kick me. I <laughs> So we start talking about these, these stories and we're laughing and all that. But then I noticed my friend, one of my closer friends, said to me, man, he says, Tom, he says, you still get worked up. I didn't even realize it. But as we're talking about this, something's coming, rising up in me. Come on now. Is it tracking with anybody? See? So now I'm remembering this wrong, these piles of wrongs that were done to me and now my blood is getting up just a little bit. Oh, I didn't you know, call them any names or anything like that, but it didn't matter. I didn't have to. Are, are you there? Are, are, is it tracking with anybody? Yeah. See? So, so that, that feeling, that emotion, that's telling me something. Tony, you haven't totally forgiven. Come on now. I'm telling on myself. I'm being transparent with you. I'm a man. A man who's under strong conviction. <laughs> Hallelujah. But, but, you, but, but, but are you hearing me? Are you hearing me? See, so my brothers and sisters, that's why this is important. If we want to go to the next level, if we want to go deeper with God. See, I know some of you have been hurt deeply. And it wasn't your fault. And those people that hurt you, they didn't even ask for forgiveness. But that doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Jesus died for you even before you went to the cross and asked him to forgive you. We have to be like him. We have to be like him. I'm going to tell you one more thing and then we're going to leave it. Because I was reminded this week, even after this, about the prodigal son. The prodigal son wastes his father's fortune, his inheritance, on prodigal living, wasteful living. Wasted it. 
And now he comes to himself, right? And he says, I know what I'm going to do. Because my father, he, he, he realizes the character of the father. He treats his servants. I know what I'll do. I'm going to go back and I'm just going to, I'm going to ask him to forgive me. I'm going to confess to him and I'm going to ask him to forgive me. Now we know this. All of us are familiar with the story. When he goes back, the father doesn't even make, let him make it to the house. The father's meeting him down the road, looking for him. The father meets him down the road, right? And, and the son st- starts his speech. He said, Father, I've sinned against you and against heaven, and I'm not deserving to, I should be your servant. I'm even deserving to be. And the father didn't even let him finish his speech. Get the robe, get the ring, we're going to party. Wait. Get the robe. He covered him with a robe of righteousness. No one's going to see your nakedness. He covered him with that robe of righteousness. Let's put that ring on his finger. He's back. He's restored to that full authority of the son. He's restored. He's got the full authority of the son. Come on, man. See, my brothers and sisters... That's the kind of forgiveness that our Father has for you and for me. That's the kind of forgiveness that He wants us to receive. So watch. All of these bad memories that I have of the mistakes that I made, they're just designed to paralyze me. They're just designed to keep me from going deeper with God. They're just designed so that I don't try to step out in the faith that my Father gave me. Yeah, faith is a gift from Him to, get, to, to go ahead and answer the call that He's called me with. Why? I'm not worthy. I've made all these mistakes. doesn't matter because He met you and He put the robe of righteousness on you and He put the ring on your finger. You're restored to full authority. Now go out there and use it. Hallelujah. Stand with me, please.